What is up, family? Thank you for listening. My name is Dr. Dale, and you are listening to Black Men and White Coats, the place where black male clinicians have the platform to share their story with listeners like you. I kind of stumbled there on the introduction because, you know, I'm so used to saying the author of How to Raise a Doctor and the author of Pre-Med Mondays, but now I've got the Dr. Doc series, so that doesn't flow as well anymore, so I can't just be listening to my books out anymore, especially because, honestly, I've got a lineup of books that are about to start rolling out in 2020. Um, some of which are already done. I'm just haven't put them out yet because I'm, I'm getting these Dr. Doc series books out for you guys. But so I got to come up with a new intro. If you guys have any suggestions, <laughs> go ahead and shoot them my way. Send me messages. But for right now, I'm just going to say, what's up, fam? I'm Dr. Dale. That's all I got for you. <laughs> Super excited about today's episode, man. Before I get into introducing this young physician, uh, you know, just quick update. It's been a great week, man. A lot's been going on in my life. A lot of good stuff and um, stuff that I'm blessed and grateful for. A lot of the hard work that my team puts in is is really impacting people, impacting lives. Um, yesterday, we had a feature in Forbes. Forbes magazine actually put out an article on this, which was amazing. A very good article. And, you know, they did a great job. And we've just been getting tons of people reaching out to us about that message. I mean, about that article, sending us messages. So I appreciate you guys giving your feedback. And um, I'm just grateful. Other cool thing is you guys... Um, hopefully you've been hearing these these podcasts I'm doing. I started the podcast with my buddy Darius Phillips, and um, really cool podcast. I mean, really we just get together and just sit down and chat, and then we talk about a specific topic. This past week we talked about mental clarity, but really we just sit together and just start chatting. Nothing's really planned; it's just kind of a free flow chat. And I really like that format because you know you guys are just seeing me in my elements, and we we film it. It's just me sitting there in my house wearing whatever it is that I was wearing, and you guys get to see me in my element. I'm not trying to speak proper. I'm just talking like I would in my house and just, just kind of relaxing, man. Um, so I really like that idea. You know, that podcast is something that I'm really happy about, and we're going to see where that goes. It's, it's part of this whole podcast that I do. It's all on the same channel, so hopefully you guys are getting notifications about it. Hopefully you're all subscribed to the podcast. If you're not, make sure you, you go to iTunes or Google or Spotify, wherever you do your podcast from, and make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can keep up with everything that we're doing. Uh, what else is going on? So Black Men and White Coast Youth Summit. So we've got a few of those coming up, coming up. Right now, the Dallas one is, is scheduled tentatively for February 15th. And we got one coming up in Chicago. And that's tentatively scheduled for for March 7th. So super excited about those. And then we've got a few other people, um, different states who have reached out to us who are, you know, working on bringing Black Men and White Coast Summit to their cities. So you know, hopefully coming to a city near you, man. I mean, we're really doing our best to get out there and impact lives. And to make a difference. That's why we're here, to make a difference. All right, now, super excited about today's guest. His name is Dr. Uzandu Oswagu. And really cool the way I got him on the show. So uh, his mother reached out to me. She's a nurse practitioner, um, doctor, actually. She's also Dr. Oswagu. And she reached out to me and essentially brought me out to speak at her university, which was just a great event they had there. And I was really blessed and fortunate to have the opportunity to speak and, and to kind of see her. She's clearly a. Uh, very well respected on campus, so it was kind of cool to just see that. But I got to chat with her, and then you know, I got to learn about these great children she had, right? She's got two boys who are doctors, and and of course, anytime you see two brothers who are doctors, that automatically just kind of perks your ear up, and you want to hear from people like that, right? You want to hear what their journey was like. Like, how did it happen to both of you? Not one, but both of you became medical doctors. Um, so, you know, I reached out to them, and, and that's, that's who's on this episode today, you know, Dr. Zandu Oswagu, and um, great guy. Just from me listening to this podcast, I can just tell you he's a great guy. Even when he talks, you can almost hear the, you can hear the humility in his voice. He is a pain 
doctor. I want to say anesthesiologist, but he makes it clear that he doesn't really practice um, traditional anesthesiology anymore. He practices pain management, which is a really big deal nowadays because we all know about this pain opioid epidemic, the crisis that we're in right now. So kudos to him for taking that on. Any comments on that briefly in the podcast? Now, you're going to get a lot of tokens, a lot of jewels from this podcast, but my one of my favorite things, and this this comes up from time to time, but I really love it when people talk about their struggles, especially when they talk about struggles with testing. So he talks about the MCAT, how he took the MCAT and didn't do so great, but he did it quick. He bounced back from it. I mean, and look at him now. He's a pain doctor, right? People die. People People would love to be a pain doctor. That's a big deal to get to that position where you can be a pain doctor, right? It's um, you know, great career. People, so many people are aiming for that particular thing. It's not an easy thing to do. You got to be at the top of your game to get there. So you know, kudos to him. Congratulations, um, to him for making it and not quitting when he stumbled and struggled a little bit with the MCAT. So great episode. I want you guys to take out. Really, I'm going back to this whole thing of humility. You can hear it in his voice. You can hear it in the story. Suck that out from this episode. Let that get into you, get that into your mindset, into your system. So when you're a clinician or whatever it is that you're dreaming to be one day, even if it's not in the field of medicine, whatever your service to society and to life is, do it with that level of humility. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Zandu Oswagu. Hello to everybody tuning in to the Black Men and White Coats podcast. My name is Uzandu Oswagwu. I am an anesthesiologist and a chronic pain physician in Houston, Texas. Um, I'm honored really to have the opportunity to um, take a few minutes and share my story and my journey. Um, shout out to Dr. Dale um, and everybody over at the Black Men and White Coats team and Diverse Medicine who've been um, really, you know, making an effort to share stories of, you know, everyone from medical students to residents to um, attending physicians, um, really just to spread the word about the need um, to recruit more minorities in medicine and, and just the amazing stories that are out there. Um, I will sort of, you know, take it back all the way to the beginning. Um, so I was born and raised in a small town in East Texas called Tyler, Texas. Um, I'm the youngest of three. I have an older brother and an older sister. Uh, my brother is also a physician as well. And my sister has a um, doctorate in educational leadership um, and is currently serving in a role um, at a junior college back home. Um, in terms of my, my family and parents, my parents, um, my mother is a nurse practitioner. Uh, my dad is a college professor, um, and has recently retired, but, um, is still doing some teaching on the side. But so I grew up in a home where, um, education was very, very strongly emphasized and, you know, we did everything normal kids do in terms of athletics and, and, and music and things like that. But certainly, um, our parents stress the importance of, you know, education as a means to open doors and provide us with, um, opportunities as we, you know, got older. And so from an early age, <clears throat> you know, also from a personal standpoint, I grew up with asthma. So I was kind of, you know, in and out of my doctor's office on a regular basis. 
um, getting checkups and allergy shots and allergy testing and things of that nature. So I think as a young boy, very early on, I was just familiar with the, you know, clinical or hospital setting. And, um, you know, in terms of talking about influences on me, um, I've had many influences throughout, you know, my early career, but I think very early on, um, my pulmonologist was somebody who really, you know, as a young kid who, you know, sort of felt a little bit different with asthma, just made me feel normal, um, and helped talk me through, you know, why I felt that way and what he could do to help me and the medications that I needed to be on. He just had a really calming demeanor, um, and a kind demeanor that I think, um, as I look back on it now was sort of the initial almost demonstration of what a caring physician should look like. Um, so I credit him a lot. And then also, um, just my general pediatrician who took care of myself and my brother, um, and sister, um, my pulmonologist name was Dr. Robert Klein. And then this other physician was Dr. Ellen Melton. Um, just two people who were just kind, um, caring physicians who, um, really did a lot. I think for me, even when I didn't realize it at that time to show me what that looks like. Um, so in terms of, you know, growing up in, in academics, um, I was always pretty good, um, at the sciences and was a pretty strong student and, and just enjoyed just doing well, whether it was in a science class or an English class or, you know, what have you. Um, and so just the, the challenge to, you know, achieve and do well was something that, um, I was always up for. Um, you know, and, and of course, um, you know, with, you know, Nigerian parents, um, at the first sight of, you know, a strength in a math or science field, that was something that was very much strongly encouraged. Um, so did well throughout, you know, middle school and high school and and was involved in, you know, athletics and other extracurricular activities that, um, I mentioned that because I think those were things that also helped me to develop, um, interpersonal and leadership skills that are requisite traits. Um, I think of all physicians, um, and then went on to do my undergraduate studies at Texas A&M University in College Station. So I'm a very proud Aggie. Um, I was there from 2004 to 2008, where I majored in biomedical sciences and minored in business administration. And, um, I think much like any, you know, kid making the transition from high school to college, those were some, you know, challenging times, both academically and um, just growing as a young person, moving away from the home and um, having a relative degree of independence and having to, you know, learn how to make some decisions and and kind of grow up a little bit. Um, So in terms of academics, I, you know, again, was fortunate to, you know, still have that drive and determination to try to achieve and do the best that I could and did relatively well in my um, undergraduate coursework um, was able to uh, graduate with honors. Um, and then sort of the way the application process works for medical school is you sort of begin to, you know, gather letters of recommendation and, and your resume and and start taking the entrance exam, the MCAT usually around the spring of your junior year in preparation to apply that fall of your senior year. So I was, you know, doing all the same things that everybody else was doing and taking the prep courses and whatnot. Um, and I took the MCAT and I did not do well. Um, 
And I think it's important. I think this has, you know, been a theme in, in some of these stories that have been shared is that, you know, all of these people who have now been able to achieve a relative um, degree of success, however you define success in terms of, of getting through medical school and training and beyond, um, more than likely a common theme in all of that is that at some point there was some sort of setback or challenge or, or failure. And I don't even really like to use the term failure as much as it is just sort of an opportunity to, to develop character traits and skills that you maybe would not have developed had that challenge not been placed before you. Um, so that, that challenge for me was the MCAT. Um, and so I, I, you know, I had applied even with uh, the score that I had attained and unfortunately did not um, get any interviews that first time I applied. So there was, you know, no shot at all of me getting in. And, and so for me at that time, that was really kind of a, a crossroads, if you will, of some sort where I had to decide like, okay, am I going to sort of double down and, and retake this exam and, and restudy for this exam and, and try to, um, you know, continue to pursue, um, my dream of getting into medical school and becoming a physician, or am I going to say, you know what, like maybe this just isn't meant to be and I should pursue some other field. Um, and, uh, you know, quite honestly, it was a no brainer, um, just to double down and, and sort of get back in the saddle because, you know, from again, all the way back to when I was, you know, young boy going to see my pulmonologist and pediatrician and stuff, I really had never thought of or considered an alternate career besides becoming a physician. So, um, you know, I, you know, sort of went back to the drawing board and, and, you know, eliminated some distractions in terms of other extracurriculars and things that were maybe vying for my time and attention that just needed to, um, you know, be put on the back burner while I, you know, focused and, and restudied and, and gave my best effort to try to improve uh, my score on this exam to, um, hopefully improve my chances of getting interviews and, and getting in. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I was fortunate that I was able to do just that and, you know, retook the exam and, and improved and did much better and put myself in a position the following year to, um, obtain, you know, several interviews. And, um, you know, I was fortunate to then, um, get multiple admissions as well. Um, which was just such a blessing to, you know, the year prior have been in a position where I'm kind of scratching my head, trying to figure out like, is this going to be something that happens for me? Or is this, you know, maybe just not supposed to, you know, you know, be what I do to now being in a position where I had options to choose where I wanted to go. Um, and I think, I think, um, while that was awesome and important, I think for me, I learned a lot from, again, that time of initial failure or that time of initial questioning or that time of initial wonder, where I think it made me even more resolved and more determined and more perseverant um, to achieve this goal, um, while at the same time also celebrate others who were winning, man, like... You know, I had had some some of my best friends from college who had obtained um, admission to medical school. And so, you know, we graduate college and they're all, you know, packing up and moving to the respective places where they're going to be going. And I'm sort of, you know, you know, 
you know, packing up and moving back home, which is, you know, every college graduate's worst nightmare, right? You finish college and you don't get that graduate admission or, or that job that you were thinking you were going to get. And so you have to sort of move back home while you, you know, put the pieces back together some degree. Um, and I share that because that sort of also sort of was a way that catapulted me to get me to Houston. Um, so two of my, um, again, good friends from college had obtained uh, admission um, at the University of Texas Medical School in Houston, which is now known as McGovern Medical School. Um, and and they had moved down there and um, they had had a three bedroom apartment. And they're like, look, man, like we got an extra room. Like you should just, um, you know, come down here and, you know, we'll take you around to some of our professors or, you know, find some other job in the medical center so that, you know, you can sort of be here and, and, and hopefully, you know, if, if it's um, the Lord's will that you can, you know, obtain a mission here or anywhere else. And so I was, I was down for anything that, you know, didn't involve staying at home with mom and dad for an extended amount of time. And, um, and so sort of backtracking a little bit that sort of fall and spring semester of my senior year, knowing that I wasn't going to be getting in anywhere. I had, you know, spent a lot of time and effort, um, applying to, different types of research jobs and, and things uh, throughout Texas at the different medical schools and certainly in the Texas Medical Center with the hope of, you know, getting a little bit more research experience um, to sort of um, strengthen my application and my resume um, and, and just to show that I was making an effort um, to be a better applicant than I was the initial time while I also was working on improving my MCAT score. And, you know, throughout that whole process of, you know, you know, filling out applications and cold calling and in cold mailing, you know, snail mail and emails and stuff. Um, uh, you know, I, I think I got maybe one interview and ended up not getting a job. So that's sort of why at the time of graduation, I moved back home and I had found the job at a doctor's office. But so, you know, fast forward to then I'd say around September uh, of 2008 and I come down to Houston and, and come to hang out with my friends and we literally were going door to door, um, you know, knocking on people's doors and they were sort of introducing me as their, you know, their friend from A&M who had, you know, was looking to get into medical school and, and for the time being for the year was looking for really any kind of research position. And it really honestly didn't matter what it was. I was going to, you know, do, you know, you know, staining of tissues or, or cell cultures or whatever it was, I was willing and eager and hungry to learn and do that. And just to get some extra exposure and, um, again, hopefully strengthen, um, my chances of obtaining admission for the following year. And, um, you know, we knocked on, on one person's door who, you know, fortunately was looking for somebody and, um, they had asked for my resume and I, man, I had it all with me and I, I gave them a copy of my resume and, <clears throat> and then, you know, the day went on and, you know, I ended up going back home and not really thinking much was going to materialize from that. Um, only to find and get a phone call the following week that that same person who had actually taken my resume actually wanted me to come back and interview for a position. So I found myself coming back down to Houston and, and interviewing with that person. And, um, I was really, surprised and excited to, you know, at the conclusion of the interview, be offered the job. And it was a no brainer for me. Um, I took it and, and the position was for a research technician who, 
you know, essentially, as you know, the name implies, I was, you know, doing, you know, tissue sectioning and cell cultures and some fluorescent microscopy and really whatever else that he needed me to do, I was going to do um, without hesitation. Um, and here's what's um, for me, I'm a believer um, in the Lord, and, and that's a big part of my life. And I know everybody has different views, and I certainly respect that. Um, but for me, I look at that and I look at so much. Uh, so many other things that have happened. And I really see the Lord's hand in that because I, and I, I love telling this story because I still think back on it and it gives me chills. But so I interviewed with this person on a Wednesday, I got offered the job that same day and, you know, he emails me all the you know, HR stuff and online application and paperwork and all that stuff that I need to fill out. And I, of course, do that, you know, very promptly and quickly. And, you know, I'm real excited and kind of celebrate with my friends. And then I drive back home to Tyler. And that same week on Friday, Hurricane Ike hit Houston. And the significance of that was that the entire University of Texas system, because of that, went on a hiring freeze. <clears throat> so here I am thinking, man, like I that was like my last ditch effort. That was my only chance to, you know, you know, move and, and, and be at a medical school and, and hopefully make some relationships and meet some folks. And here it is. And it's crushed. Right. Um, and then I got a, an email from him basically saying, you know, don't worry about everything. All your stuff went through before all the, the, the weather. And so just let things kind of calm down and then, you know, we'll bring you on and, and you'll start, you know, at a later time. And and that was amazing. Um, and I don't think it was a coincidence that, you know, I went at the times I did and, and that there was an opportunity um, and that it became something that materialized and happened for me. Um, and so that that year, I, you know, I was a research tech and again, um, was a wonderful opportunity for me also to develop some, you know, just basic research skills that, you know, maybe I don't use every day in my day to day now, but, um, I think was important in just helping me to appreciate the, the basic science, um, side of things that can potentially impact the way myself and other clinicians in practice and, and offer things to the patients that we get the opportunity to take care of. Um, so I ended up, um, again, getting admission the next year that I had applied and ended up staying in Houston and going to the University of Texas um, for medical school. And I stayed on there um, for my anesthesiology residency, which was amazing. And then um, after my anesthesiology residency, I went on to complete a chronic pain fellowship um, in Houston at um, MD Anderson Cancer Center. Um and um, finished in 2018, and I'm now working in Houston. Um, and so it's it's been a long, um, you know, really 10, almost 11 year journey. Um, and I'm so thankful for the good, the bad, um, the ups and downs, because I think it's all made me a better individual. Um, and then certainly a better um, physician and clinician as well. Um, just a little bit about, you know, what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. I, do, I don't practice anesthesiology anymore. I exclusively practice um, chronic and interventional pain management. And I think, you know, we're at a really critical 
um, juncture in our um, society with the opioid crisis and opioid epidemic where, you know, lots of people are looking for options other than medications to alleviate their pain issues. And sometimes, you know, medications are the option that we choose whether they be narcotic or other types of medications. But I think the other thing that's um, really awesome and part of why I chose this field is the interventional component, whether it is, you know, a peripheral joint injection or a spine injection or an epidural steroid injection or some more advanced um, techniques that we're able to use, such as spinal cord stimulation for, you know, chronic back pain or post-laminectomy pain or chronic lower extremity pain or um, vertebral augmentation for um, whether pathologic or osteoporotic um, vertebral compression fractures. Um, really, again, with the goal of whatever it is that we're doing, prescribing medications, um, doing procedures with the goal of decreasing pain and increasing people's functionality and quality of life. I think that's every um, pain physician's goal. Um, and I'm really fortunate to have the opportunity um, to do that. Um, so, man, I just, you know, want to tell all those out there listening, whether you are a medical student or thinking about becoming a medical student um, or you're in residency or fellowship, um, man, just just persevere and stick it out. Um, if it's really what you are um, convicted about and think that this is what you are supposed to do, um just take the necessary steps to make it happen. Um, you know, I, I had the chance to sort of share my story on a, on a different platform. And, and that was one of the things I said at that time was, you know, when I knew that I wasn't getting in and I was seeing other people winning, I was excited for them. You know, I was in, in expectant of when that time would be for me. Um, and really just believe that that time would come for me and that, um, that period of waiting was really a period to continue to develop um, my my desire and passion um, to pursue medicine and then just develop other skills and, and character qualities that I think continue to serve me well this day. Um, so don't let, you know, a minor setback or, or a failure or what have you um, um, keep you from continuing to pursue what it is you think you are you're built to do um because there's there's not much better than sort of walking out every day doing what you think that you were designed and, and purposed to do so um with that thanks again for listening thanks again for dr dale and the whole team for the opportunity to share my story and my name is again uzandu oswagu and i am a black man in a white coat phenomenal Absolutely phenomenal. So much to take out of Dr. Oswagu's story. So much to take out. I'm just going to point out a couple things. You know, first of all, and this is this is to parents who are listening. I want you guys to pay attention to this because this was pointed out on on our last episode too with Dr. Student Dr. Dotson, soon to be Dr. Dotson. Him and Dr. Oswagu both talked about how important it was for them when they were young to see a a physician and how they paid attention to that physician and and the impact that had on them. Um, that's key because, you know, honestly, for me, that never happened. So I had a family doctor we would go to and, you know, I would see her, but seeing her, it never really clicked in my head like, hey, maybe I can be a doctor like her. Maybe I should be a doctor like her. That that never clicked in my head. But, you know, hearing these last two weeks episode and seeing how 
these now mature men in the field of medicine think back to when they were children and how it impacted them to see a doctor. That's big. You know, that's really big. Even when I take my kids to the doctor, I'm very intentional about talking to them about the things of medicine. And I think that's really, that's a take home message for, for parents. You know, when your kids go to the doctor, when they go to the doctor with you or for their own appointments, take advantage of those opportunities. Take advantage of that opportunity to showcase the field of medicine to your child. So that's, that's number one, which I picked up from this. And I, I think it's so important. And I'm so happy that he actually pointed that out. The importance of, of seeing a doctor when you're, when you're young and what that can actually do for you. In his case, you know, the asthma and everything leading to the doctor's visits. Now, the second thing I'm going back, I kind of alluded to this at the beginning, but you know, he told us and he talks about persevere and, resi- and resilience and don't quit. Students, parents, any and everybody listening, you have to get that. You absolutely have to get that. You got to understand this idea of perseverance and resilience because the reason most people don't make it is because they quit before they get to that finish line. They quit before that finish line. And you just don't know. You just don't know that you might be one hit away from gold. You've been, you've been in that mind. You've been hitting. You've been axing away, chiseling away, and you're getting tired, and then you quit. But what you didn't know is you only needed one more hit, and you were going to make it. That's what he's telling you guys. Don't quit. Have that resilience, right? Don't give up on the fight. Whatever it is you want, that dream, go for it. Persevere. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it when you get there. It's going to be worth it when you get there. The last thing, which I just love, of course, you guys know my my religious background, my faith as well. And let me tell you guys, so if anybody is listening to this and and you don't hold similar beliefs to me, um, but you would like to tell your story, please, you know, contact us. We want to tell your story too, right? So it's not like, I, I don't know why this is the case, but a lot of people get on this podcast and they talk about your faith, um, the Christianity, which is the same faith I have. Um, but any and everybody is welcome on this, right? So so please come on. If you have stories, um, we want to hear stories from everybody, from everybody, right? Um, but I do appreciate the fact that he threw that in. He talked about how he was able to appreciate the divine, divine interventions and, and along his journey. And I think that's important. You know, I'm a very, I'm a spiritual person, relational person with, with the Lord. And it means a lot to me. So I, I, I loved it that he recognized that in his life, right? I definitely loved that he recognized that in his life. And, you know, just so glad that, that you took the time out to share your story on this podcast. I'm very grateful to have a physician like you again in the field of pain management. That's a big deal. And to have a black male in that field, you know, warms my heart. And I'm very grateful that you are in that position. Thank you so much, Dr. Oswagu, for joining us on this episode. Any docs out there you want to share your stories or PAs or dentists or any clinicians in general, black men and white coats, go ahead and send us a message, podcast at blackmenandwhitecoats.org. We would love to, love to, love to feature you if you've got a good story, something worth sharing with the world. We want to share it for you, all right? That's why we're here. Make sure you guys go online and grab a copy of How to Raise a Doctor, Wisdom from Parents Who Did It. If you don't have it already, Pre-Med Mondays, and definitely get the Doctor Doc series. So book one has come out. Tony and Jace learn about the heart. Book two is going to be out very, very soon. We're wrapping that up, and that's that's one is about the lungs. Tony and Jace learn about the lungs, and I'm a, I'm a lung doctor, so of course I'm partial to that book. <laughs> so very grateful you guys listening to this. You could be listening to anything in the world right now, but you choose to listen to this. For that, I love you. Have a phenomenal week.